0: The weakest of faith is prayer alone. Before we get started i want you guys to go register now for the free webinar training on this topic go to bit.ly creative financing webinar to register now that's bit.ly creative financing webinar I have now done over $100 million in real estate transactions over the last 10 years and counting, going from a real teen mom with one daughter at the time, wholesaling and door knocking residential pre-foreclosure properties to now national real estate investor with five children and four businesses buying and selling residential and commercial properties. And I want you to do the same. So let's do it. Hey you guys, welcome back to your episode of the Realty Talks with Tayee podcast show. I am your host, Tayee, and I wanted to tell you guys I am super excited for this week. There's so many great things happening, there's so many parts moving and shaking, and I just love when new things happen, get created, and I get to exercise my creativity to get stuff done. So today I wanna talk to you guys about really business building principles and foundation. So that I can really help you guys to not only see it from the kind of real estate perspective, but just these things help when you're trying to build a business from ground up, like grassroots business building essentially um when you're first getting started either in real estate or specifically in any business it can apply and i want to drop you guys a resource a reading and educational tool and resource that you can pick up and apply those principles as well okay so again welcome to today's episode of the realty talks with Tai show and I just have to say that even though it's Monday, it is like time flew by. Over the weekend, I cannot believe how fast time actually flew by. I was like literally talking to my nine-year-old daughter and then my other children as well. And I and she says, mom, where did Saturday go? And I'm like, I actually have no idea. It went by way too fast. So... With that being said, I want to get right into today, just real quick, um, some of these core things that I learned, and also that I want you guys to as well, with those resources of business building foundational. So here we go. Today, I really want you guys to kind of take away from this how to apply the principles of what's called the entrepreneurial myth and the teachings of of the entrepreneur's myth to your real estate business or any business that you're really building from scratch or from ground up. You see, being an entrepreneur and really running a successful business, it does not happen with the wave of like a magic wand and nor does it come from perfecting a craft or just like having a passion for something. So in this book I've been reading called The E-Myth Revisited, which is by an author named Michael Gerber, which I highly, highly recommend that you read, he really uncovers like a lot of these reasons why small businesses aren't successful, and then also with that, provides strategies for getting on the right path. Now, that's a book that myself, my business partners, we've read many, many years ago. And it really gave us a philosophy for how we were going to build our real estate business. And even to this day, I still reread it at least once a quarter. That means I read it four times a year. Why? Like, does does that sound crazy or like what? But that's why I feel like it's one of the most important things that you can learn before you really do anything else. Because in that book, Michael really defines like... The E-myth is what he calls it as the fatal assumption that an individual who just understands only the technical work of a business um, and how, you know, they can actually apply that knowledge to successfully running a business that does the technical work. Right. So that just means if you're a janitor, how to run and start a janitorial business because you only know really how to specialize in doing that technical work, the actual function of that job. Right. So the definition is very similar to promoting your best performer in your company from like an intake position to a manager, for example. Right. And just expecting that person to have guaranteed success. That would be crazy, even on your part, to expect and assume just because they're great and a perfect or best performer as an intake coordinator or as a janitor or as a you know security guard or as just an entry-level, let's say, salesperson, just because they're great at that position and performing very, very highly does not mean you just elevate them to manager Overnight, and that they would make a good and successful manager in that position. Okay, so this is really why it's so important to understand what this emyth principle is, because in our company, we also applied the principles from the E myth and really focused on developing systems to make the business more efficient and more effective. Okay, And that's really why um, we're taking the principles in even this episode and the philosophy um, that we still apply to all of the different dynamics and aspects in our business, even in other niches to this day, whether it be health and wellness, whether it be supplements, whether it be beauty or skincare, whether it be fashion or babies, All of these types of principles really can apply to these different types of businesses, not just real estate. Okay, so in this episode, I just wanted to be able to share how we actually successfully combine the approach of what's considered in the book as being the technician at the bottom level. Also the manager, which is the middle level, and also finally the entrepreneur, which is at the top or the apex, the highest level is how he defines it, Michael, in this E-Myth book to really build a, in my case, specific real estate investing business. So I am confident that if you apply these principles of the book along with the information that you learn within our Investor Answer You program, you will really go from working just in your business like at the bottom kind of technical level to working on your business at the top the apex of your game right and really winning and taking your real estate business or any business that you own to the next and newest heights of success okay so real quick you guys i just want to give you guys um a very good piece of advice for starting a business in general you see A lot of people I see fail at business, honestly, simply because they never take the time to learn from their failures. They just run through them as if they almost didn't even happen. So there's a certain percentage of the population that when they start a business, as soon as they have a failure or maybe even two, they just give up and they're out. They jump, right? They jump ship. So you have to be dedicated, but the most important thing is that you really have to embrace failure. You will fail, like it happens, right? You will learn, however, from those failures if you want a future in business, okay? So if you, let's say, for example, buy a property and you make mistakes on the property and it ends up taking a lot more time or it ends up costing you money in some way, and you just don't move on to the next transaction, right? Then you go back and analyze, hey, what did I do right here? Okay? But along with that, what did I do wrong in this transaction in this purchase in this purchase? Okay. And from those decisions, you really learn from those small failures so you can apply that information as you move forward so that you don't make them again. Okay. Like, I mean, you guys know the stories. There isn't a successful entrepreneur or even business owner, athlete or celebrity that is out there that you can tell me of who hasn't learned and who hasn't gone through many different types of failures to really get to where they're at if you see them winning in their lane. Right. So you have to have perseverance and you really have to embrace the process of failing and learning, 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 learning from that process. Okay, so the principles, again, going back to the E-myth is first you're going to start as a technician before you can be a manager and before you can be a business owner. Because there's levels to all of this. Right. And that's the natural progression that you should ascend to or aspire to or shoot for in any business, not just real estate. Okay. so what you're going to do is you're going to do all of the systems that you create at least five times the right way. you're going to really start to understand how it works. You're going to be the technician in that role, right? When you're first starting out, you'll then grow into hiring other people then to, to do the work eventually for you. And to run that task and then eventually run that area of the business. So if you start at the bottom doing intake and you get super good at it, you build the systems and you work it and run it five times thoroughly so that you see the flaws and all. Then you fire yourself from that position because you've created now a system and that system is running that position of intake so that you can hire and train anybody to plug them into the system that you've now perfected. Right. So creating systems really allows others to contribute to the day to day tasks. And it frees your time up to really be a high level thinker and business owner and really do like what I like to call the bigger, broader strokes of the business. And in real estate, what that would look like is really focusing on finding deals, on getting deals, on raising money, on writing checks, on getting checks and cashing checks and checking direct deposits. Right. So, you know, you really want to focus on how can I in the best way, in the soonest way, let go of certain tasks, delegate those tasks train the right people for those tasks that you bring into your business and then develop others to do the work to your standards so that you can then be a true business owner. Okay. All right. So now I hope that you're starting to more so understand and everyone has this mentality. I don't care who you are. You think that no one can do it as good as you do. That's what we naturally think. We take our business as our baby and think there's nobody in the world that can do this. Like, I got this, right? Like, I can do this. This is mine. Like, you have this supreme ownership over what you do and think nobody else can do it like you do, which might be true. That might actually be true. However, it does not allow you to scale by thinking like this right? It allows you to fail by thinking like this because you become your own business's bottleneck and you don't want that because then your business becomes stagnant. Like I am telling you guys this by experience, like that's not an arrogant statement, right? And it's something that you need to get rid of if you're really going to be a business owner, a true boss, right? So to be honest, like that's Even more so a technician mindset, not a boss mindset, okay? When you don't think that anyone can do what you do better than you do it, you're always going to be a technician instead of freeing yourself to being an entrepreneur and a boss, Okay, so what you have to understand is that to be successful as a business owner, your job is really to create the platform, the checklist, the system, so that someone with less experience or even less skill set at that time period can really come in and be set up for success. On a successful platform that you created and then over time, because that's the one thing they are going to focus on the most is just really honing and mastering that system you created. Then over time, after focusing on it for so much and so long, they will absolutely be a better executor and technician at that job, which is what you should want them to be. You should definitely have this professional development mindset with every person that you hire so that they can be better than you so that you have one less thing to do, right? So you can really go from here to here instead of just staying in this one here, this one space and and being stuck and stagnant there instead of scaling up from there, which is where I see a lot of failures happening. So remember, this whole e-myth or entrepreneurial myth principle is you start here. You do that job until you can fire yourself and really move, move from there um, and doing that job and creating a system out of what you do so that you don't have to do that thing any more. That's the goal. So let me just tell you guys even like a quick story about being a technician in my own business. And trust me, like I have so many of them, right? But when we first started, just like most of you, my husband and I started in a very similar, but not exactly the same way. He actually got started in his career um, before I did. And even though I started 10 years ago, he started like 15 years ago. So his, his his walk was a little bit different, but our roads eventually crossed, which is how we met in real estate, which was amazing, right? But when we started to merge our, 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 our kind of workflows in our companies, we worked right out of where we lived first, right? There was like very little air conditioning, my bedroom or our bedroom was doubled up on as our office space. So we actually uh, br- um, uh, tore down one of the walls um, in the upstairs, cause it was, it was a double story. So on the second story, we actually broke out one of the walls. We made it a complete loft space upstairs, but we shouldn't have done that because it at least provided a barrier between our bedroom and our office. Instead, we just kind of created this merge for both of them to serve the purpose of being both. But it was huge. It was huge. We did everything in the business to get it going from that space and to really scale from that space as well. Now, we did have an office, but we rarely went there, right? We allowed the space to be used by our employees, by our affiliates, by our partners who really needed a central place to meet so that we can really get busy and get working right from home. And one of the areas that was my responsibility from the beginning was doing the accounting, like figuring it out invoices, paying the utilities, the mortgages, p- playing our uh, private money lenders. And so another one of my responsibilities was also overseeing kind of the whole financial landscape now that was not my only responsibility but it was more so the bookkeeper because my husband also was really overseeing that financial landscape since that was his background he was in loans and processing loans and doing that sort of thing which I never got my hands into because it just wasn't my lane I learned that because mental math is just not one of my strong skill sets okay I will be the first to admit that (laughs) okay so In addition to doing all of those things, um, I also had the responsibility of a a lot of clerical and administrative responsibilities of phones and of just overall team management and the daily operations. I was the director of operations, so I was managing the day in and day out responsibilities in addition to the overall management of the financial landscape of the company and making sure things. Like, this super impactful moment when I realized the capacity in which I could only do so many things, right? And when you're first starting out, well, like we did, we bought a couple of rentals through subject two, Um, was a lot of how we acquired a lot of those early rentals. And we learned that wasn't exactly the best thing to do to start, like that wasn't how we bought our first property, but it was through creative financing strategies, right? But we still spent money up front that later on, as we started to get more experience, we learned that we didn't have to, to do it that way. We didn't have to actually spend probably any money um, going into it. But the structure was what we had a problem with, the structure of those deals, not the strategy behind the deals, right? Because there's a difference. But soon we did realize like that wasn't even the best thing that we should have exactly done to start with is just like being so eager to acquire properties for the purpose of creating this passive income and building our rental portfolio. Right? So if we had to do it over again, we probably would have, I probably would have as well, just even in my independence, um, start uh, as well before we had the merge, but like, we eventually did um, go down that path of like acquiring couple rentals and we learned very early on a lot more about the rehab side of the business. So then when we had the rentals, we had the rehabs going. So we pretty much had a good amount of mail. Right, Uh, quite naturally, with all of these properties and these transactions and all of these things going on, we had mortgages coming in, we had utility bills coming in, we had gas, and we would buy these two-family rehabs or three-family rentals. So these houses were all over town. They were in other states. They were not in our local market, at least starting out. Our my very first one was in Nevada, right, Henderson, Nevada, but my husband's was in his local market, which was in which was in Oakland, California at the time. But during the day, he would really be kind of like our rehab guy, the project manager, so to speak. He'd be meeting with contractors. Um, he'd be writing a couple scopes of works a day. He'd be driving around to houses. And then at night, when he got back to the office, aka our bedroom, that's when he would start um, providing me with all of the copies of Paperwork of just this pile and stacks of paperwork that he would pick up as mail from the properties And then what I would do is I would go into my mode of entering into the accounting um, Like all of the utility bills the mortgage payments the private money lender payments. That was my system, right? I'd be exhausted Doing all of that after doing all of the day to day maintenance and then having to at the nighttime collect all of this paperwork and finally, you know, try and figure out how am I going to deal with these piles and piles of paperwork. This is getting crazy. So he'd do the rehabbing and project management and property visits all during the day, in addition to me door knocking and doing direct mail campaigns and managing a team and answering phones and doing all of that type of thing. And then at night, doing the accounting during our nighttime hours. And pretty soon when we got more projects, we got more bills, right? So accounting ended up running Uh, like rolling over into Saturday mornings, because I would be so tired, I would fall asleep. And then Saturday, not just the morning, but Saturday all day, like it would completely consume basically all of the little free time that I had, which I didn't have any really, especially in that first uh, year of business because of the fact that it was really all going towards catch up and always having to catch up on mail, on invoices, on writing checks. And when you boil it down, that is a task that doesn't really require high level thinking for the most part. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just as a business owner, you really have to understand your value and you have to respect the time. And energy and even the money that you've invested in yourself to be a business owner, to be a boss that motivates and manages and creates systems for other people to build and grow your business. Right. So there was a moment where I realized, like, I don't have any free time this is madness like I just bought myself another job and I didn't want that I did not think I signed up for that like my nights and weekends all I do is sit there and I print checks just to try and keep up with like the weekly and the monthly invoices that's when I created the accounting system that you know today and my husband perfected it to become what is inclusive now in our investor answer you program and really on how to close Out a property on the filing system that my team um, was perfecting and using and helping me to create at that time, so that we I really could outsource more of that activity. And I'll tell you about that. That is critical. That's crucial. Okay. So you'll have your own story about this. I'm sure if you haven't already. Like it's not easy at all, but that's the important thing for you to learn. Like right now you're doing something that you probably don't wanna do in your business and you think that no one else can do it better than you. Or you've got like an excuse that, for example, accounting. I don't trust anyone to be in my accounting. Like y'all know people hold their pocketbooks, their truth to their chest, right? But the reality is that Hiring and having someone else to do that type of stuff for you, like you can have give them limited access to accounting for any new user. They don't have to be able to see your checking book balance, right? They don't have to have access to pull reports like your profit and loss or your balance sheets. So whatever excuse you're going to throw at me, like why you can't outsource the one job that's taking up so much Of your time especially your free time it's just an excuse like believe me I'm not saying that out of ego I'm saying that because I have been there and I don't want you guys to keep making that same mistake if you are so trust me like you just have to believe that I want to inspire and encourage you guys to like the sooner you create a system and then hand it off. And here's the thing. When you hand it off, it's okay that someone's not going to be perfect. Like you can't expect perfection. You weren't perfect. I wasn't perfect. Right. But allow them that space and the growth to get it perfect. And eventually they will be better than you. And don't hate on that, don't be mad at that, don't even shy that away from something that you want to have manifested. So create your systems, create a successful platform for other people to be successful, do the job, and then hand it off, and then do something else so you can really build and grow your business. And more importantly, you can spend your time where you want, whether that's in your business or outside of your business. And you still leave time to have you time because you still matter. Now, once you do that, you elevate and you level up to the next level. Now you're no longer at that technician level, right? Like you you move up, moving on up to the good times. Like <laughs> That's what I think of when... Um... <laughs> when um they're laughing at me. So I am literally thinking of that at every juncture in my business, at every point like what is my next level? Where am I going from here? What's next best to come for me? Right? So from a technician that's becoming a manager and really filling the manager role. So like being a manager has certainly been and definitely continues being a challenge, but also this whole learning process. You see, like there are two main variables in management that I continue to develop and even master, even to this day, right? Number one, that's leadership and people skills, right? And number two is systems and process-orientated skills. Okay, like you have to truly embrace that E-Myth principle as your results will largely depend on these systems that you put in place and the ability to lead and execute to just do it, but do it with a strategy and a system behind you. Because that's what I've learned. I've learned over the last 10 years and and probably even longer in business and really continuing to master this day in and day out, right? Is that to start getting the results that you want as a manager, you really have to follow some guiding principles that precede you. Number one, you want to be clear on the outcome. And why are you after it? Why do you want it? Why is it important that you have that end goal? And what is your end goal, okay? And number two, to communicate your outcome super clear and paint the picture of success for yourself as you envision it, as you see it, so that it can become real for you. And number three, you really wanna allow or like, Force yourself, if you have to, to step out of that technician role so that others can really help you find the way to get the outcome that you are ultimately after. Now, I know this is no rule, right? But an overriding principle for all of these points is you have to be relentless. Okay. You have to be a go getter. You have to have hustle. You have to have a great exceptional work work ethic. Right. So go after the solution. If one solution doesn't work, try something different. Don't give up. Don't make excuses, but get it done somehow, some way. Right. And along that way, you also want to be getting input from your team and come up with a solution to problems as they arise that ultimately allows you to move to that next step, okay? You have to assume that in your role of becoming or being even an entrepreneur, a business owner, and a a boss, right, is that you are a problem solver at the core of your business existence. That's your job, right? Right? So that's really one of the things I really want you guys to get, like, if nothing else, or one of the main things in addition to other things that we've talked about so far with you is that I want you to get really what it takes to develop an entrepreneurial mindset. You see, to me, okay, if you ask me, okay, an entrepreneur, like, what is an entrepreneur? What does that even mean? Okay, an entrepreneur to me is someone who is always thinking of, thinking about how to use their time effectively. And if you look at the triangle of success from that E Myth principle, you move from technician working in the business to working more efficiently as a manager, managing a technician that's beneath you in role in that role. To eventually moving to an entrepreneur who is just working with the manager who then manages the technicians. Like it's all making sense. It's all got a flow. It all has a rhyme and reason. So to me, it's all about time allocating, time allocation every single day. It's about doing something once or twice, or maybe even three times yourself in the business, and then really figuring out how to replace yourself so you don't have to do that thing again. That's how entrepreneurs think. That's how bosses really think. They don't get stuck doing the same work day after day after day. No, that's just insanity. What they do is they create a system They integrate technology and leverage it, and they create a process to replace themselves so they can move themselves up the ladder. And that's what having an entrepreneurial mindset is really all about, leveling up, moving the needle, pushing the needle past where you're at to get closer to where you actually want to be. And like people ask me this all the time about changing roles, right? When should I move from being a technician to a manager? And it's not an easy question to answer because a lot of times throughout the day, from a real estate investor perspective, at least you'll be working as an entrepreneur, as a manager and technician, just really depending on what you're working on. So the best advice I can probably give you right now is that once you fully understand a process, okay? The answer is, when do you move up? When do you go from being a technician to a manager? It's when you fully understand a process. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're doing a direct mail campaign, right? If you're in real estate or any business, and you find a list, and then you create the direct mail piece, then you go through the direct mail merging process, which is, you know, silently a nightmare. It can be. And then you do everything yourself in house. When's the appropriate time to move on from doing those tasks and doing those mailings yourself? Well, the answer would depend. But I'd say when you have the knowledge of how to gather that list, when you know how long it takes, to execute that entire direct mail campaign, and then you determine how much it's going to cost you to replace yourself in doing that thing, that role. And all that time that gets reallocated back to you in your business, you have to have the confidence of first knowing those numbers, knowing those stats, knowing those metrics, okay? Like It's like, hey, I just need the leads from this campaign and if I pay someone else or another company to do this, I'm going to then generate more leads and I'm going to be more successful by leveraging the time, the energy, and the efforts of someone else who can step in for me and I'm buying their time to do that thing so I can go ahead and do something greater. And that is exactly how the Investor Answer You program, our coaching program, was really formulated. It was really going to take you from the technician, then to the manager, and eventually to the entrepreneur. Because... You see, as a real estate investor, a real estate investing business is really made up of a lot of systems and business processes. And each day as you're buying and selling real estate, you're working within these processes. Well, when we start, we first have to understand the philosophy of where we want to go, which is from being a technician, to being a manager, to being an entrepreneur. Okay, you have to know what you're doing and why, why you're doing it. Then when you get involved in the real estate business, you have to become a technician to start. You have to learn the process like, okay, let's say you're doing your first short sale. You can't just jump from being a technician to a manager, to an entrepreneur if you've never actually been through that process yourself. Right? You have to go out there and negotiate your first short sale, negotiate your second short sale, do all the work yourself. And then once you've completed a deal, you're gonna go and look back at that process that you just went through yourself. You're gonna say, okay, I was the technician the majority of the time as I was going through this transaction. Like, how can I do a short sale the next time and become the manager? How can I have someone else do the negotiation or somebody else do the research on the property that you're going to buy? And then you are only involved in certain technical aspects and then you're just managing that process as the technicians or the people that you hire do the actual process. And then eventually, how do you go from being a manager and managing that process to really being an entrepreneur? Well, my friends, that girlfriend or people, whoever's listening, that (laughs) is done by having systems, by having business processes and employees actually working for you in your real estate business or in whatever business that you own. Whether they are visual, whether it's an uh, a virtual assistant, whether it's an assistant physically or you know in your office brick and mortar space or or store, or whether they are people right in your office, right? That's how you really go from being a technician to being a manager to being an entrepreneur. You follow that same process in every single aspect of the real estate business or any business. Again, any business this can apply to. Got it? Okay, so real quick, let's switch gears and let's talk about like your primary aim because this is another like overarching theme in this E-Myth book. The, your primary aim is your story. Like everybody has a story. Like girl, you know you have a story, okay? Like we all do. We all have been somewhere to get to where and who we are today, right now. Like basically how will how you will be thought of and remembered is your primary aim, okay? Like there's many, many components that make up this primary aim which focus on goals and how you go about accomplishing those goals. So like for example, right? Investor answer you, okay? What's our primary aim? Well, we are an education and mentorship coaching program and company, and our primary aim is to really help teach and encourage people to be successful entrepreneurs and business owners with the tool of real estate investing. Okay, so I hope that brings home and drives home really that point on your primary aim and why it's so important that you actually have an answer for that and know it. Okay. Now for this next point, I want you guys to actually do an exercise for me. And you've got to trust me. You're like a Who are you? Like you're just this super fast talking, high energy woman with five children. And I don't know how you do it type of person. Who are you? And why should I trust you? Well, just bear with me. Okay. I'm not going to be able to do very much over you just listening to this. Okay. So trust me, for all but 60 seconds, and close your eyes. Okay, are they closed? Come on, come on, you guys have to participate. Just trust me real quick on this, okay? Now, I'm going to assume your eyes are closed, and I want you to think about your own primary aim. What does that look like for you? Okay, right now, I really hope That you have a huge smile on your face and you feel excited and you are at peace because you are focused on your primary aim on what matters most to you on why you're going so hard and doing so much and probably working like a crazy person in a good way to get things moving and get things done now Keep your eyes closed for just a little bit longer. And I want you to focus this time on one big picture item, goal, or task that your business needs to accomplish for you to really achieve your primary aim or your end goal. You got that? Okay. So once you have that one biggest thing that your business needs to accomplish or focus on, open your eyes, get a sheet of paper or a notepad or something, even a post-it will be fine, a napkin, okay, that works too, and write it down under the following statement that I'm gonna give you, okay? So here's that statement. In order to achieve my primary aim or goal, if you like that word better, in order to achieve my primary aim or my primary goal, my business must blank. And that's where you fill in your blank. Okay, so you insert there what you just came up with when your eyes were closed. Okay, so let me say it one more time. A little bit slower so that you can pause it, rewind, or just write it as I say it. Here we go. In order to achieve my primary... Aim, my business must insert the item that it must do, which is the one biggest thing you need to accomplish. Now, once you have completed the statement, you have just documented, okay, what we call strategic objective. So now it's on you. You now have a tool for measuring your own progress and you have a platform for really developing standards that will shape your experiences and produce great results so that you can use it as even an accountability tool for yourself. You can post it on the wall like what I do and my husband me and him do is we have this huge board on the wall and we put the money making machine scoreboard and then across the top of it, we list all, not just one. We do list one, which is on the first tab, but there's like all these long tabs, maybe about 20 of them going across horizontally the top. And we put all of the things that we must do in order to make our goal, our dream come true and work. We know what those things are. And then going down vertically on the far left side there's a lot bigger tabs that are horizontal okay to the left and that's where we put each and every day and we change those because the days change obviously so there's probably a little bit less maybe like 27 not quite 30 or 31 there's about 27 to 30 um, tabs on that side and we put every single day so we'll do like for example April 1st through April 30th and then every single day at the end of the day at the the end of us making things happen, we go through and we actually take score and hold ourselves accountable to that board and we go by and we say hey did we do this yes and if we did it we mark it off he likes to have these x marks the spots type of thing if we did it and if we didn't do it he likes to leave it blank so we just went with what he likes to okay he got his way on that one he didn't put i didn't put up a fight about it so we don't have to win it's okay we can let the small battles be won by the husband or spouse or boyfriend whatever it is right so that's what we did i personally would have preferred the check mark if we we did it and the X if we didn't do it. But hey, to each their own. The The objective is holding yourselves accountable and keeping these strategic objectives in front of your face, biggest day, every day, and really committing to doing those things and being honest with yourself when you didn't. Okay, and that's how we use that scoreboard as a tool for measuring our own progress and a platform for really developing standards that will help shape our experiences and produce great results. And that's what I want you guys to do. That's what I'm talking about here. Okay, so... Let's talk real quick also about strategic objective. That's something I hear all the time, but it's also a theme in this emyth book that I want to touch on. So your, sub, your strategic objective is not a strategic or business plan objective, although those are important to provide structure to your business and communicate um, you know, to your market as well as provide benchmarks maybe, but in essence, a real strategic objective is a simple statement that consists of standards so you produce those desired results, okay? So there's here, there's like two key standards to think about, and those are number one, money, right? And that includes revenue, that includes gross profits, pre-tax as well as after-tax, Like gross and net, right? And that also includes ROI, return on investment, for example. And number two, second to money, is the opportunity worth pursuing. So, an opportunity worth pursuing would be a business that can fulfill the financial standards that you have really created for your primary aim and for your strategic objective. Does that make sense? So there might be others as well as there's no set, quote unquote, formula for these standards. However, it's key that you ask yourself these really these two questions that we ask ourselves day in and day out. And it is number one, what is really needed to accomplish your primary aim? And number two, what kind of business are you creating and who will your customer be? Again, for example, in simple terms that I can think of, what you need to sell and to who, period, right? What do you need to sell and who do you need to sell it to? And when you figure those things out, when you're now putting together the answer together in more of a formula for achieving your primary objective and as a result, getting to your primary aim. Okay, so I know that was a lot, but, but there's more. There's more, okay? So the more to that story is that you definitely need to have what's called an organizational strategy. Every business doesn't only need, like so far we talked about um, these things that include, for example, an overview of what your business should look like. We also talked about starting your business and what that process should look like. We touched on your role in the business and where are you at, the technician level, the managerial level, or the entrepreneur where you aspire to actually be, right? We broke those down in terms of each of those roles of technician, manager, and entrepreneur, and really what those look like. We talked a little bit about changing your role and how to actually level up from being the technician and ascend to the manager level, and then matriculate again, just like you go through grades of school, you go through grades in business, and it goes in business from technician to manager to eventually the entrepreneur. And again, that's where that change of roles really came into play at. Okay, so that's super important. And I don't want you guys to overlook those things. So if you forgot or need to rewind, refresh, go back. Please definitely do so. Then we talked about how the Investor Answer You program really guides you as a real estate investor, but also as an entrepreneur in business in general to really building that wealth and building that mindset in order to accomplish what we just touched on as being your primary Okay. And then we just covered strategic objective. Now we're talking about your organizational strategy because all of these are different components, like different pieces of a puzzle that fit together and mesh and mold to be able to create that beautiful picture, that beautiful outcome to get you to where you're trying to use real estate or your business you started as a vehicle to push you closer to achieving. Okay, so when we talk about organizational strategy, it's super important. Excuse me. Okay, so having an organizational strategy is very, very important because it does eliminate a lot of this confusion and it creates accountability for you and your business partners, as well as your employees or affiliates. And it really just separates you from like, Um, those roles, right, the roles that you need to have within your business. It creates that boundary, that structure, the infrastructure, if you will, Because without a strategy, you're going to fall into like this common trap of doing it all. And we all know how that will end. It'll end in burnout, fatigue, tiredness, stress, anxiety, just upset, right? All of those things happen when we assume the responsibility in our business of having to do it all, to be that person, right? And one of the things that like... My husband and I, as well as our team, that we did very, very early on because we were business partners, my husband and I, is that we divided the business up into different sections right? And then we each managed that individual section of the business and we didn't step on each other's toes. Like we had to learn how to work together because in this business, it was the first business where we actually were partners, where we actually did the business together. And we had to learn that. We had to learn how to sidestep. We had to learn how to dance essentially, how to mesh, how to work together and cohesively. And that is important because a lot of Investor Answer you students actually have, have business partners or they have spouses or fiancés or boyfriends or even just best friends that they want to do the business with right? They have these people that work with them in their business in some capacity. And you really have to give somebody autonomy, right? Individual kind of control to make decisions and to be held accountable for those decisions. And you cannot micromanage each other. It creates tension, friction, and just irritability, right? And if your business partner is your spouse or your significant other, right, however that happens, then your business is personal and your personal life is your business. It They kind of weave. And so you guys have to get in the groove essentially of how to make those things mesh seamlessly so that it can survive and thrive. And, and you're not stepping on each other's toes is where it starts because that happens a lot from a coaching perspective. Like you'll have a husband and wife, for example, and one of the two plays a dominant role in the business. Right. And the other person develops while the other person stays the same. That happens sometimes. And the only way to develop within your role within the business is really to make decisions and learn from those decisions, whether they be right or wrong, because you guys are going at this blind usually alone and relying on each other for moral support and and kind of decision-making. So when you're just getting started, that's how it is. So that's a very important thing that you have to do within your organization, okay? So like now if you are working by yourself, It is very different to have a strategy of where you want to go and what jobs you want to replace yourself in first, because the biggest single thing you want to do is really level up. You're always thinking with foresight ahead and into the future. So as you bring an assistant on, for example, what are they going to do, right? How are they going to replace time in your life to make you more effective as the boss, as the business owner? you always have to have a strategy in place to stay organized and to keep everybody on their toes and on point. It all comes down and boils down to, you have to learn how to play your position. And that doesn't come with a negative tone or even, you know, a negative thought. Like, but to play your position, you have to first have one. And that is what having an organizational strategy is really all about. Creating that position, playing that position, mastering that position so that you can stay organized and scale up to the next level. Okay? So, what else? Is there like to business? There are so many moving parts and so many components, and that's why so many small businesses actually fail. They don't fit, fa- they don't plan to fail, they 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 don't plan. <laughs> I'm getting my words all tongue-tied and twisted up, but it's okay. I'm gonna get it together. We don't plan to fail, we p- fail. To plan. Thank you for helping a sister out, okay? I'm sorry, you guys, but you know the old adage and that saying, right? Because it holds true. So with all of this strategy talk and all of this talk about strategy, it's all to help you create one cohesive big plan, but chunking it down to smaller bite-sized pieces, right? So taking it from the macro and making it micro, taking it from the huge and making it small, taking it from a steak and chopping it up into small little pieces. Now, I'm a vegetarian, so that was a horrible example, but for the meat eaters out there, that was for you guys, okay? Okay, so moving right along with the next thing I wanna talk to you guys about. So the next thing in business that is ridiculously huge, but super underrated in general is this concept in necessity, right? This pulse of the business, which is your marketing strategy. And as a small business owner and especially as a real estate investor, marketing is absolutely critical, right? That's why you need to have a marketing plan and you really need to know what marketing campaigns you're going to execute because marketing drives your business. So without leads, you don't have a business, In, for example, our Investor Answer You program, we have several courses focused on different marketing campaigns, and it's a very significant part of your business, just like it is ours, no matter what industry you're in, even outside of real estate investing. Like, for example, in our Investor Answer program, we have many different courses that are dedicated to different types of marketing campaigns, anywhere from like bandit signs to direct mail to online marketing. And within those courses, you're going to learn how to really outline your demographics for number one. Also, you're learning the logistics, right? And number three, the psychographics including like, for example, what colors to use, phone numbers to choose, placement of your ads, visual and words, right? So what you have to understand though, is that each of these campaigns are vital to your business and you really need to have at least three or four marketing campaigns that you're using at one time to consistently drive in more leads. That way, if one of those campaigns dries up on you, you always have at least those other two to three others that are replacing and driving in those leads and picking up that slack essentially so that you will always have leads. That's the goal of marketing, to always have leads, always have opportunities that you can tap into. You can't have a business that is dependent on one marketing campaign. And a campaign is simply, for example, one would be direct mail. If you're only sending Pieces in the mail like letters, postcards, right, Uh, packages. If you're only sending those things in the mail and that's all you do when that source dries up and that well runs dry, what are you going to do? That takes a hit to your bottom line, to your income, and you don't want that to happen. That's what happens right now with this whole coronavirus crisis is that people only have one source of income. Well, guess what? When that takes a hit because you get laid off or you're in a business that's a people business and it's social in nature, like massage therapists, dentists, right? movie theaters, um, things of that nature, nail salons, hair, makeup, if you're in those beauty centric or customer based uh, models of business, and that if that's your only source, if for some reason, something some force beyond your control like that, or even within your control takes a hit, well, guess what, that source just dried up, then what are you going to do? What are you going to rely on? How are you going to drive in more business and how are you going to create more revenue? Right. So with that marketing mentality and strategy also comes the management strategy. Right. Because you have to manage and account for these uncontrollable kind of components of business and based on this definition you implement systems or procedures basically that people follow right they have to follow a certain step of rules in essence, versus hiring seasoned managers to figure out what and how they will accomplish the desired results. So what does that mean? That means that you're not going out with the intention of hiring seasoned managers to be a manager, right? You can take the average person, the person working at Gap or Target or Macy's or Ross, right? You can take these people that are working in even a completely different industry and build them up to becoming a manager by having proper systems or protocols and rules in place for people to follow that's foolproof. And what you do to create that system is you simply document procedures or processes so that regardless of the people you are working with, results are achieved in the manner that you want them to be accomplished. That is a management strategy. So I am sure you guys are like, okay, so in order to manage, I have to have people to manage. Like, I can't just manage myself. Well, yes, that's where you're wrong. First you do. You have to manage your mindset. You have to manage your own affairs. You have to manage your life so that it does make room for your goals and pursuing those goals. It's all part of management. But... In the respect of business, it is a people business that you're usually in. So you have to have, what does that mean? A people strategy. Like it does not stop, right? So with your people strategy, your work is a reflection of you. Just like our work is a reflection of us, all of us as individuals and as the boss, you really set that tone. Okay, so not only through your words and your systems, but more importantly, through your actions, what you do and even what you don't do. Do you show up on time? Do you come late? Do you have a bunch of excuses? Do you just get things done? Do you make time or do you make excuses? Right. When you own a business and you have a team of employees, everyone is watching how you act and looking for consistency between what you say and what you actually do. So Gerber, Michael Gerber in this book, e he refers to this actually as the rules of the game. And there are several components that you can read on this topic alone because it is so huge, it's vast, it's so much to learn and ingest, but it's absolutely necessary if there's that much information, right? So the key is to set and communicate the rules from day one when you bring new team members on, when you bring them in to your business. On day one, they need to know. Set the tone, set the bar, set the standard and the expectation right then and there. Like most importantly, you have to play by those rules. You can't just give them or dictate them, right? Or outsource them. You have to play by the same rules that you expect your employees to play by. If you say, hey, we have a weekly meeting and it starts at 8 a.m. on the dot sharp on Monday morning and you don't show up until 8.05 or 8.10, then your actions have gone against the rules you've sta- uh, that you've basically stood to set and you've weakened really is what you're doing. You're weakening what we call the context of the environment that you're actually trying to create. And now you're basically disengaged from the rules of your company. And it's going to be a lot more harder for your team to believe in everything that you're doing because your movement and how you're moving is questionable. Like you don't want to create, shoot yourself in the foot. You don't want to create objection. You don't want to create resistance to your authority. But if you don't play by the rules that you're set in giving, then you can't expect that your your employees and your people are going to follow that same system that you're trying to set up to create order and ultimately success. Now, bringing this full circle back to the E-Myth principle that I started talking about is really that system strategy. And based on the E-Myth principle, there are three types of systems. And those are number one, a hard system. Number two, a soft system. And number three is called an information system right? And you can read more about those inside of the books. But the key about implementing systems that I do know is that it gets everyone doing the job according to your standards. It it basically makes it easier for you to be an entrepreneur. And one of my favorite e-myth concepts is really applying technology as you advance in building your business, Now, this happens at different stages of your business with different tools, but one example is the cloud or the online-based data management systems that are available. It really gives you the ability to understand your business so that you can focus more on the time, uh, most of your time on things that work and eliminate things that just don't work. For example, certain marketing campaigns, if they don't work and you don't get the results, you can completely eliminate them from your business. And therefore you're saving more time for yourself. And it also gives you the freedom basically to work from anywhere and work on your own terms. You see, for me, this entrepreneurial freedom is one of the benefits of starting a business and what really drove me to start my first business, which was in medical clothing and apparel. It was creating custom scrubs because I was going to school pre-med to be a doctor. Right. So even all of this stuff is still applicable no matter the niche that you're in. Right. And it was that entrepreneurial freedom that really drove me to start that business. It was like that aha moment of I can do this because of all of these things that allow me to feel free and in control of my time, my destiny, my money, my income, my children, my family, my security, essentially. Everything that is vitally important for you to secure not only yourself, but your family, your legacy and your future. So you really gain more control over your entire lifestyle and it shapes how your business looks, how it feels, how it operates in relation to your life goals. Okay. Does that make sense? You guys let me know. Drop a comment. Let me know. Leave me a message. Tell me, yes, that made sense. No, I you lost me. Right. It's okay. You can be rigorous honesty. That's a term that I've been hearing lately. I know they use it in these like rehab places, which is fine. But in the context of what I'm saying, I just mean brutally honest. Okay. So this whole thing about the e-myth, it's it's really just like a way of thinking and not a how-to manual. This is like why the e-myth concept is so powerful because it can truly be applied to any business. It is a success multiplier, right? Because it allows you to work within a team context to really climb bigger mountains. And also like the e-myth is what truly lets you grow. If you're constantly working in a business, you have very little time left for learning and growth and for really identifying and launching these new ideas or even crazy ideas that you come up with even in your sleep, in the shower, while you're singing, while you're out with your family or friends any of these other new ideas and opportunities you want to pursue, you can't. You're stunted by. Your growth is stunted because you have little time freedom left after working in your business instead of building and working on your business. It's really only with applying the principles such as the e that you can truly grow as an entrepreneur, right? So this is what my husband and I have really found that the business becomes truly enjoyable by setting the stage with all of these strategies that we've talked about so far today, because you can then focus on enjoying what you do and making connections with the people you work with and growing as an individual and as a business owner into a boss. So one of the important things that you should really draw from this episode is what it takes to develop an entrepreneurial mindset. And to me, an entrepreneur is always a question like, what is what does entrepreneurship mean to you? What is an entrepreneur? And to me, an entrepreneur is someone who's always thinking about how to use their time effectively. Okay, If you look at the triangle of success when it comes to the E-Myth principle, you really move from being a technician at the bottom level, working in the business, to working more efficiently as a manager, managing a technician in that role, and then to leveling up and moving into that entrepreneur role, who's just working with the manager, who's now managing the technicians. Like, it's all so simple. Why do we complicate these things, right? So to me, it's all about that time allocation and about doing something maybe once or twice, maybe even three times yourself, as yourself, in the business, and then figuring out, hey, how can I replace myself? Because that is the essence and beauty of business, is replacing yourself. And that's how entrepreneurs actually think they don't think in terms of small thinking, right? They don't think in terms of me. They think in terms of we. Like, they don't get stuck doing the same work day after day after day, no. What they do is they create a system, they integrate technology, And then they create a process to replace themselves so that they can move themselves up the ladder of business. And that's what having this whole entrepreneurial mindset is truly all about. So that's really what I wanted to talk to you guys about is just this whole concept of business, right? That's what we do here. We are the Realty Talks with Tai E. We talk about realty. We talk about business. We talk about life. We talk about lifestyle. We talk about travel. We talk about how to mesh all of those things together, primarily under the vehicle of using real estate investing to get us there. So now we have to take a step back and say, whew girl, you done taught me so much right now. Or like you gave me some gems to really think about. Or maybe like I didn't get a lot of the stuff, but I got this. Like, what is that? And key in on that. And if you have to replay or re-listen to this because you're like, you talk way too fast, way too much. It's okay. I've been told that all my life. Just take a deep breath and rewind, rewatch this, like, share, subscribe to it, share it with your friends and family so they can get on that same page too. And really, really use these e-myth principles and buy the book if you want to um, so that it can help to ultimately shape Your business, right? And then I want you to tell me, hey, how did the e myth shape your business? Let me know that. I want to know what is your biggest takeaway about all of this episode, right? How will these e myth principles really shape your future? And I can tell you, the e myth, fortunately enough, at least for us, was the first book that we read and had a huge impact on how we approach the business, how we built our business and really how we worked in and on our business to get to the goals that we had for ourselves and we hope to inspire it to do the same so that you can get to the goals that you have for yourself, okay? And I want you to do that by really focusing this week on answering these questions. Focus on using what you've learned and applying it to your business. And I promise, I can promise you that like, you will have business results from even, if nothing else, this education. So that's what I wanna leave you guys with on that note, because you have untapped infinite potential and are stronger, smarter, and more capable and powerful beyond the measures and barriers and excuses that you even really put on yourself, right? And I'm sorry, but the weakest of faith is prayer alone. Prayer without works, as we've heard so many times, especially from our elders, is dead. And a lot of people are looking to really, like my husband says this all the time, and that's probably where I'm getting it from right now, definitely, is that a lot of people are looking to hit the home run in business and have this big multi-million dollar business and overnight, right, instead of just trying to get on base. And that's really where the money is made. It's not in hitting the home run out the park at your first bat, right? No, it's getting on base and running to every base and stopping on base so you can pause and recoup and keep in motion. Okay, so that's what I want you guys to think about this week. I want you to immediately implement it as soon as today if you're listening to it early enough or late enough or if it has to be started the next day depending on where you're at in your time zone, that's fine. But again, power is in action. An action, taking action is power. So you guys take action, be great. I want you guys to win in business, in life, in general, okay? Like, share, subscribe to my channel. Again, this is The Real Tea Talks with Thaise Show. And on that note, we're out. You guys have a wonderful day or night, wherever you are. And until next time, stay beautiful, keep your glow, and go with the flow. Bye. Are you interested in learning more about how you can apply these same principles and strategies to create or enhance your existing real estate investing business as well? Well, register now for the free webinar training at bit.ly slash creative financing webinar. That's bit.ly slash creative financing webinar for more tips, tricks, and support along that path so that you can learn the process and prosper. Until then, tune in to the next episode. (laughs) All right. <laughs>